When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. One minute into the second period in Toronto, it is Philadelphia leading the Canadians 2-1. In the first period, the Flyers jumped out to a 2-0 lead. Provorov scored 28 seconds into the game. Hayes scored at 5.23. Suzuki came back with a power play goal at 10.03. And that is all the scoring to this point. The Flyers just had a breakaway. Not sure if Price got a piece of this one uh, or not. Yeah, I think he might have just got a pad on it as Konechny broke in all alone. So Montreal trying to stay alive. Philadelphia up three games to two in the series. Of course, we will keep you updated on that one. And later tonight starts around 745. It is the Blues and the Canucks at Rogers Place, and Vancouver can move on to the second round with a victory. They lead the series three games to two. Now, keep this in mind. The second round starts tomorrow, so it could potentially start before the first round is entirely complete if either St. Louis or Montreal wins tonight because those game sevens would be on Sunday, but they're going to jump right into the second round tomorrow. Six o'clock at Rogers Place. The Stars will play the Avalanche. Vegas is awaiting the winner of uh, the Canucks and the Blues, so we don't know if there will be... if, If Philadelphia wins tonight and if Vancouver wins tonight... Uh, then that would do it for the first round. So I'm not sure if they would then schedule games for Sunday. I imagine they want to try to avoid having any days without hockey to keep everybody interested and to have games on the tube. So there, there is a game tomorrow. It looked like the schedule might be blank, but the NHL did announce today Dallas and Colorado game one, six o'clock mountain time from Rogers place. The blue Jays lead Tampa Bay four two. that game is in the top of the fifth and the Toronto Raptors up three games to nothing in their series against Brooklyn. The Raptors taking it today, one seventeen ninety two. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Hope your weekend is off to a great start. It's inside sports on orders at EE radio, six thirty. Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. I'm happy to hear from you tonight. 780-496-0063 is the number to call and text. Uh, There's been a a lot of uh, audience feedback over the course of the week with a couple of the topics that we hit on, primarily the the Canadian Football League. I actually saved a couple of messages that uh, came in throughout the week that I wasn't really able to get to, so I'll try to bang off those. And willing to have anybody jump in tonight. Uh, I know certainly the Oilers are still on everybody's mind. If you have anything going on there, the Canadian Football League, Football League, uh, what you're seeing in the first round. We will talk a, a little bit about suspensions today, and I have a couple of texts about the Niskanen suspension and the, uh, the some thoughts on on how that discipline was handled and how other incidents are handled in uh, in the National Hockey League. So uh, this uh, just kind of a grab bag of topics tonight. I'm uh, 7:30 is going to well, hopefully the whole show is fun, um, but. Uh, 7.30 tonight, always fun to have Mike Civic on the show, longtime NHL linesman, retired a couple of years ago. We've had him on the show before. Really uh, upbeat, positive guy, great storyteller, so he'll check in between 7.30 and 8. Canadians now on a power play, already halfway through it, two and a half minutes into the second period as they look to even it up, trailing Philadelphia 2 
one. Kellen Kennedy is back at the 630 Chet Broadcasting Compound as I'm coming to you from my uh, basement. Kellen, how are things? Happy Friday, Reed. Things are going swimmingly. <laughs> that's that's good. <laughs> any uh, any wrestling on the on the on the docket lately? What's going on? Oh with yeah, your passion? well, actually, this weekend's a huge huge weekend for wrestling. We got SummerSlam on Sunday, one of the big. Oh, that's four actually WWE happening. Big, Where is yeah. it? Um, at the Amway Center in Orlando, Florida, of all places, they, WWE Tonight, uh, their show actually just started, but uh, I'll be catching it later, uh, for SmackDown is debuting a brand new concept called WWE Thunderdome. It's basically, uh, sorry, it is basically their take on the NHL hub concept where... So were there going to be fans at this event? I assume not. Uh, no, but fans... TV only, okay. Yeah, All right. fans could sign in on their computers and it's they basically have giant video screens around a ring. It's going to be look like a giant Zoom call. All right. Somebody so. texting in Mike Stivick, that meathead? Wow, that's an incredible reference from that texture. No, Mike Stivick, meathead from All in the Family, is not on the show tonight. <laughs> that would be incredible. Uh, of course, played by uh, Rob Reiner. Who, I, I, I got to say this. I would love to have Rob Reiner on the show. Rob Reiner directed one of my favorite films of all time. This is Spinal Tap. That would, we should try to get Rob Reiner on the show. That would be amazing. Uh, well, how old is Rob now? Uh, 73 years of age, born in uh, March of 1947. Oh, he was married to Penny Marshall. I didn't even know that. Was she Laverne or Shirley? I think she was Laverne. Anyway, uh, Mike Civic is on the show. C-V-I-K. <laughs> Not Mike Stivick. From the character from All in the Family. I, I that, That's a great text to start off the show. Thank you for that. John is writing in. He says, Reed, the Leafs are out, the Flames are out, the entire world could burn down around me, and today would still be a great day. John, isn't a pandemic enough? <laughs> My goodness. Plus, you're willing to have the world burn. All right. <laughs> the Big L says, Reed, late night hosts like Trevor Noah and Seth Myers have some knickknacks and books behind them while they broadcast from home. How about you? That is from the Big L. Big L, uh, my basement is uh, not a very interesting place. I suppose if I was doing a television program like those gentlemen, I, I would do some staging. I do have a couple uh, shelves in the basement. One is uh, uh, has a couple shelves of board games and three shelves of books. And the other shelf has uh, some photos, a small globe, a couple of board games, and a few more books. So, yeah, I, I maybe could stage something to make it look like I'm an actually an interesting and eclectic person, Big L. But uh, no, and there will, will there will not be a live stream of inside sports from my basement. Philadelphia has just scored 15-32 left in the second period. Flyers now lead the Canadians 3-1. We'll keep you updated on that game. There is a little bit of Oilers news today. Joachim Nygaard loaned to Farstad in the Swedish League to start the SHL season. So you can expect Nygaard to come back whenever the uh, National Hockey League campaign begins, whenever there's going to be a uh, training camp. And I, I don't know when that is going to be, but uh, Nygaard, it, you know, the Oilers trying to build some depth, depth still and, and getting some speed into the lineup was a priority last offseason for Ken Holland. Nygaard can skate. 
He was able to score in Sweden. He had 21 goals in 52 games in 18-19. Only got into 33 games for the Oilers out of out of the 71 they played. Injuries affected him a couple of times. Only had three goals and nine points. Um, you know, just another player that uh, they're trying to plug in. He is going to be back for next year. And uh, obviously, the Oilers continue to search for a little more depth scoring. They had it at times this past season. They didn't really get a ton of it in the postseason. And Nygaard obviously did not play in the playoffs. He was fit to play. He was uh, participating in practice and training camp and all that kind of stuff, but never actually got into the lineup. He can skate. He can skate. Hopefully, he can add a dimension to his lineup where he produces a few more points as well. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Uh, Bo says, Reed, am I a bad person for being happy that the Flames are out of the playoffs? Bo, no, you aren't. I think you know you aren't. Now, I don't know anything else about you. Could you be a bad person for other things? Possibly. I don't know. But hey, if you're, I assume you're an Oilers fan. So if the rival is knocked out, I, I guess you can take a little bit of glee in that. Deborah says, hi, Reed. It sucks that the Oilers didn't last long in the playoffs. Do you know when next season will start? I think the disappointment of losing to Chicago will help motivate the Oilers. That's from Deborah. I don't know when next season is going to start. If anybody subscribes to The Athletic, you may have seen today an article by Eric Duhatchik, and it was it was speculation. So there's a lot of speculation, and, and as, as we've seen with sports through the pandemic, sometimes things and circumstances and speculation changes weekly, daily, or even hourly. We know what that was like in the Hub City selection process. But he wrote, uh, he was wondering, uh, this is Eric Duhatchik, could there be some sort of a, a, a format next season where just for next year, the NHL has to realign the divisions and it would involve all seven Canadian teams being in a, in a division. And he was also speculating that maybe there'd be eight hub cities, two in Canada and six in the United States. And that's how you would play through the season. I don't know if there'd be interdivisional play. That would be pretty interesting if the Oilers played 82 games and you just played the other six Canadian teams over and over again. The rivalries would certainly heat up. Suzuki has just scored for the Canadian sharp angle shot, beating Carter Hart from the left wing. So Montreal now within a goal, 3-2. But I, I really don't, and I get, I've been asked that a lot, and you've probably heard me talk about it before. I don't know how next season is going to look. I don't know when it's going to start. I think Oilers players uh, have been told that they should be ready to, to come back for training camp in November. So then you're probably looking at a late November, early December start to the season. But again, are there fans in the stands? I would doubt it, at least to start the year, certainly in some markets. Can they play in certain cities in, in the United States? Are, are players going to be comfortable playing in certain cities? Are players going to be comfortable traveling as they used to, there, there could be some sort of a hub format, or like I said, you play limited opponents. So maybe the West will only play the West, or maybe as Eric Duhatchik speculated, you play just within your division. And that, and that would really be something if it was just the Canadian teams in, uh, in your, uh, <laughs> Oh, wow. I just got an incredible text from my former district manager at blockbuster video lawn, any blockbuster stuff in your basement. Uh, I'm looking around lawn. There is not, 
Two people for Christmas got me a blockbuster board game that was recently released. Two separate people, so I have two copies of that. I should probably give one away to somebody. Oh, cool! Uh, that 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 is upstairs on on a bookshelf. So I I don't know if I have any blockbuster uh, memorabilia. I wish I still had one of the navy blue shirts with the yellow collars. That would be quite interesting to wear around. The- <laughs> Well, it's great to hear from Lon. 780-496-0063. Inside Sports on Chad. We're coming right back. minutes left in the second period flyers leading the canadians 3-2 we will keep you updated philly jumped out to an early 2-0 lead habs are sticking around john shannon's going to join us between 6:30 and 7 we'll touch on the canadian football league john and i both got to interview randy ambrosi this week separate interviews obviously so uh we will uh, get some thoughts on that and talk some hockey too uh who is this text from uh oh now i lost it Oh, here we go. You, uh, this texture says, Reed, you probably talked about this yesterday, but I didn't catch the show. What are your thoughts on what Mark Spector has been saying about Jesse Pugliarvi? Actually, didn't talk about that. Actually, we haven't talked a lot about Oilers uh, stuff this week, just with all the Canadian Football League news. Yeah, Mark Spector from Sportsnet speculating that uh, Jesse Pugliarvi could be at Edmonton Oilers training camp. Now, 22 years of age, the fourth, uh, pardon me, the third overall pick, or pardon me, fourth overall pick from 2016. Look, I, I I hate to be pessimistic, but but I'm at the point where I, I am pessimistic about Jesse Pugliarvi ever being a contributor to the Oilers. Now, I'm not predicting that that's what's going to happen. I, I just feel like as an observer of the team and someone who covers the team, I can't look at that player and say, well, there's somebody who's going to be reliable or important to the team. I think in his first season, he was uh, mishandled by the Oilers. I I didn't mind him being up at the start of the year to get a taste of the NHL and being around the league. Uh, I thought he he should have been um, assigned to Bakersfield after the nine-game audition. Uh, I remember asking Peter Shirelli about it. And, uh, you know, Peter decided to keep him here. And then the things just kind of kept going, uh, going sideways. I mean, he, he wasn't really consistent enough. And we saw it with a couple of different coaches. First, Todd McClellan, and then uh, who didn't play Pugliarvi a lot. He'd often get nine or ten minutes a game. And then remember, shortly after Hitch got hired, Hitchcock said, call him up. I'm going to use him. And then after a few games, Hitch was playing him even less than McClellan did. So there's clearly areas of the game that need improvement and the coaches don't trust. I I, I would love to see him in training camp. I I suppose at this point, um, the Oilers can't lose, can they? With Hissy Pugliarvi, if if he uh, comes back and and can't do it, well, that's the situation they were in for the last couple of years. If he comes back and is some sort of a player, um, then then you have somebody who can contribute in the NHL or who can be traded to maybe get something. I, I don't know if he's ever going to live up to that draft spot. Uh, certainly, hey, would have the Oilers loved Matthew Kachuk or Pierre-Luc Dubois? Absolutely. They're, they're having great careers early on. Having said that, and Brian Burke has said this on Oilers now, that if the Flames were picking there and Pugliarvi had fallen to them, they would have picked him. And a, and a bunch of other teams have said the same thing. It hasn't worked out. 
Uh, I, I guess just from the the, the point you know, to that to that texture that if he comes to camp, there is really nothing to lose because if right now he's he's not a productive player and he's not really an asset that can be moved for anything. So either you stay in that situation or possibly you, you can ship him out. I just don't know what he's going to be at the NHL level. I mean, we thought we'd, he'd be a playmaker and maybe a shooter for McDavid, um, but he hasn't really got that part of his game down where I think he understands what you have to do to get through the grind of an NHL season. And maybe he's matured, matured in that regard, and maybe he'll figure that out. left in the second period. Flyers up 3-2 on the Canadians. Philly goal scorers, Provorov, Hayes, and and Raffle. Suzuki has both for Montreal up to four in the postseason. Philly's on another power play here. The shots are 18-8 for the Canadians, but they trail the game 3-2. Blues and Canucks coming up in just over an hour. Rogers place Vancouver leading that series three games to two. Raptors winning again. They're up 3-0 in their series with Brooklyn. 117-92, the final damage today. Bottom of the sixth, the Blue Jays lead Tampa Bay 4-2. We will keep you updated tonight on the relevant scores. 780-496-0063 is how you can call or text, and we'll have more time for uh, audience interaction a little bit later on. But right now, we welcome back to the show a guy who calls himself a hockey storyteller. He is a great storyteller indeed, and we'll talk things besides hockey with John Shannon tonight. Hey, John, how are things? Great, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for checking in. I, I, I finally got to see your, uh, your, your setup there with all your televisions. It was in the background when you did the uh, Ambrosia interview with Bob McCown. I saw the John Shannon man cave. Yeah, there it is. You saw part of it. Yeah, you saw part of it. I, you know, I, don't, I don't like to show it all off because, you know, you know, people would be coming looting, but that's okay. You know, so it's a very high-profile uh, part of the GTA. Yes, so so thanks for doing that. I, you know, we we both had a chance to talk to um, to Ambrosi this week. Uh, I think you and Bob did that interview on Wednesday. He was on my show yesterday. Uh, I, I mean, the commission is disappointed, but y- you got to ask him the relevant questions, and, and I think we both did that. What what's your I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, we both love the CFL, so I, I found it a little hard to separate my emotion from this story. John, what's the week been like for you with the CFL news? Well, and, and I'll be honest, Reed. Yes, I am an absolute diehard CFL lover. I, you know, again, uh, it, it's been part of my career. Uh, I was a fan before I, I got involved in it. I am still a fan, uh, but I live in Southern Ontario, uh, where it. Um, uh, it's such a non-factor uh, when, when it comes to the Argonauts that uh, it's a uh, it, it it hasn't played much of a role here. Uh, when I put on my Canada hat or my hometown hat, uh, growing up in British Columbia, uh, then I get disappointed with it. Um, the reality is that it, it, it just doesn't make any sense for the CFL to do anything without some sort of assistance. And uh, and the government um, was unwilling to 
meet the terms. I, I truly believe the government was prepared to loan them the money, but they weren't prepared to uh, to meet the terms uh, that uh, that the CFL and the CFL board would have approved. Um, you know, there are a lot of uh, big, deep-pocketed companies that own football teams in this country. There's lots of community-owned teams, too, but there are big companies. Uh, and the only reason they stay big companies is because they don't waste money. And I, I don't think there was a willingness to waste money on a nine-week season. Yeah, that's a good point. And that would have been it would have been nice to to watch games, but six games pretty quick relative to uh, usually playing eighteen. And I, and I I I have to remind myself too, John, if not for the pandemic, there would have been a season. Now maybe this gives the CFL time to reset. And and Randy talked about that. I got the interview Mark Cohan, the former commissioner Len Rhodes, who used to be the president of the of the Double E, and mm-hmm. they all said, okay, it's time to use this. Uh, this time productively i am just worried and i and blake dermott and i talked about this last night that ultimately the cfl is a product that you know the generations coming up aren't interested in purchasing no matter how it's marketed i i I have a i have a a couple of friends there they're a couple they're in their mid to late 20s and i was skyping with them last night and the and the the guy said hey i was listening to your show even though i didn't care about what you were talking about and that was the canadian football league and that that's i was happy he was listening but that's there is a lost generation there's no question about it uh, and in my opinion, the CFL is guilty of, uh, of its own negligence when it comes to that. Um, they, they did not do a good job uh, of maintaining uh, the star factor in, in the key positions. Um, and and, and that, that really, and, and Reed, you and I can go back and we can reminisce, and I can be called the old man on my lawn all, 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 all night long. But the reason we became CFL fans was because it had stars. Um, and we could identify a handful of players with every team. You know, if I gave you a, if I gave you a name, you would understand which team it was all about. Uh, we can't do that anymore. Uh, there, you know, and there are guys that have played for eight teams. That's a problem. That's a problem. You know, that, that creates, well, where is he this week? And you can't identify with players if, you, if, if they move around like nomads. And, and, and the CFL, I mean, I, I, was all over, there, there was, there, I was all over Randy in the interview because, saying, listen, when I was a kid, the best thing that ever happened was is that you, you, you paid respect to the imports that wanted to live in Canada. And the two names that we came up with uh, on that show were Ron Lancaster and Angelo Mosca, both Hall of Famers. But they stayed five years with the same club and therefore got moved from the import status to non-import status and they became that much more valuable and they became stars and that's what the cfl has to do in so many ways is to try to recreate stars and get people to stay in our country if we want them if we want fans to believe in them that's all i was saying and that's the point i really wanted to make I think you make a good point, and and Dave Campbell, the producer of the show, and of course you've been on with him too. He he has said that that one year contracts are not a good thing for the league because players are are jumping around. And I and you talk about marketing stars. I still wonder, and and I you know I I know everybody's trying to do their job, and I I'm not a, I'm not a marketing person, but I I still wonder if the double E really did enough with with Mike Riley. You, you know, well spoken. Let's face it, 
good looking, uh, you know, and and oh, but, but charismatic. You know, that's a really good point. But here, here's the thing, uh, and I'm going to point. I'm I, I'm I'm going to point fingers. Jason Moss could care less. He could have, could have cared less about marketing when he was the coach of the Eskimos. He did not care. He did not cooperate with the, the, the biggest partner they have, TSN, when it came to the live mic games. He was not part of wanting to grow the game. He wanted to win football games. Well, it, it, if, if you know anything about the CFL, you have to be able to do both. You have to be able to do both. And, and that's, where it, it, that's where it falls down. I mean, one of the great marketing campaigns for years and years the CFL had, and it's not practical anymore, was guys had part-time jobs. And so they stayed in the community, and they worked in the community, and they were recognized in the community, and then they went and played football. But we, you know, all of a sudden when we started to think that the CFL was NFL junior, uh, and they didn't practice at 4 o'clock, they practiced at 10, uh, and then it took all day, and they were, and, and then uh, the coaches were micromanaging and doing uh, eight hours of video, um, then all of a sudden, all, all of a sudden it became a full-time job and you weren't part of the community anymore. And then at the end of the season, you went home and, and for, for the American players. And, and, and that, that became, that, that became a problem in my opinion. It really, it really did. I mean, I, not, again, not to reminisce too much, but by, uh, you could tell a team if I, I could mention, I could do all nine starting quarterbacks of the CFL for 15 years in this league. Fifteen years, I could tell you the starting quarterback for every guy in on, on all nine teams, and that's that was magic, and that was identity, and that was what created the fan base. Not only could I do that, but there was such rivalry between the teams. I could name you the nine play-by-play guys, and how much <laughs> Brian Hall drove me nuts. <laughs> oh come on, he doesn't drive anybody nuts. You, you know, you t- talk to Halsey about it. I mean, what 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 Brian did in Edmonton and and. Uh, Eric Bishop did in Calgary, and Jim Cox did in Vancouver, and uh, Cactus Jack did in Winnipeg. That was part of the mystique and the magic of the league. Now, we'll never recapture that. We won't. We'll never recapture that. But that was all part and parcel of the rivalries that were created between the teams and the cities and the broadcasters and the fans. Yeah, well said, John. We'll we'll see what they're they're gonna do. A lot yeah, of ideas. By the way, I like Brian now, for the record. Okay. <laughs> Who doesn't? And, and I, you know, I, and there were for lots of years after I met him, I hired Brian. So you know, and Brian and I are friends, which is always good. But there was a time when I was a kid, and I was a diehard Lions fan. Man, oh man, I hated Brian Hall. Uh, I used well, to listen to six thirty Ched do games in the sixties. It drove me nuts. Well, the Lions, um, the Lions were kind of usually an also ran in the West, weren't they? When you were a younger guy. Thanks for bringing it up, Reed. Well, I'm just trying. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember. Listen, listen my, my 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 fandom as a Lions fan as a child were 63 and 64 when they went to the Grey Cup both years, lost to the Tiger Cats in the first year, and beat the Tiger Cats in the second year, and that was it. Maybe that was it for a long, long time. Yeah. All right. John Shannon joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Uh, Flyers still up 3-2 on Montreal. Of course, we'll keep you updated on this one. Second period, just just uh, winding down. Canadians. Right, we uh, nice won- talk about something other than the pandemic and the bubble. 
Well, yeah, well, because everything's the bubble's doing fine here in Edmonton. Our numbers are a little higher than I think a lot of people would like, but uh, the, the the bubble's fine. Uh, I do want to talk to you about something. We we touched on this in the Oilers Hawks series a little bit, and I and I think it's worth revisiting. Niskanen got a one game suspension. Uh, Gallagher's out with the broken jaw. Yeah. So if there is a game seven, Niskanen's back and Gallagher isn't. And I and I still don't understand why with NHL suspensions, they seem more tolerant of stick fouls than a guy trying to deliver a body check and he, and he misses his target and hits the head. I, I'm, I'm not clear. Now. Right. You're, well, <laughs> You're stealing my lines because, I mean, the guys at player safety are tired of me phoning and giving them heck. Um, and, and or saying something on social media or when I was on the air on television talking about it. Uh, I, I think it's one of the misnomers of the game is that they, they, for some reason they have, they have viewed stick fouls less serious than elbows and shoulders, and I don't, I, I don't get it. Um, to me, that, it's the weapon more than anything else, and, and the, league, the league really needs to do a better job of it. Now, I, you know, the, the old classic uh, two games in the regular season is one game in the playoffs, uh, and it, I, I, I truly believe that had Brendan, and don't, and I don't want people phoning in because I'm not advocating this, but I truly believe that had Gallagher not had a broken jaw, Niskanen would have only received a fine. That has, that has appeared to be the attitude of player safety is that stick fouls are fines as opposed to suspension. Uh, I don't believe it's right, uh, but that to me is a reality of, how they police uh, stick fouls in the NHL right now, and it's disappointing because I I think it should be I think it should be much more severe. I've seen I've seen three stick fouls that didn't even get called penalties that I would have suspended a guy for. I mean uh, uh, Kucherov on uh, Nick Foligno one night in a Columbus Tampa game it was it was nuts. Now but Foligno got up skated away so obviously not a problem, and that. That to me is the bigger issue. The other, the other thing is, I want to know where the concussion uh, uh, spotters have gone. Uh, I don't see con- concussion spotters pulling guys off the ice very often. Travis Sanheim, you, you know, never missed a shift after uh, Kakumeni uh, hit him into the into the glass and got thrown out of the game. And Travis Sanheim never missed a shift. I, I just, I think it's nuts. Oh, you've given me a soapbox. Sorry. Well, that's why we have you on, because you, you, you willingly jump on that soapbox and, and, and own it. Well, it, I mean, I think it's just stupid. That, that, that kind of stuff has to be, we, we have to do a better job of that. And I, and I think, I honestly think that in so many ways, everybody is so happy and relieved um, and, and, and gratified that the bubbles in Toronto and the bubble in Edmonton are working and there are hockey games being played. Uh, and the, some of the games are pretty entertaining. Uh, that, that I think they're almost, I wonder if they're, they're turning a little bit of a blind's eye to some of these things. I hope not. When there's five games, it's easy to turn the blind's eye. When there's two games or a single game, as there are tonight and then tomorrow night, just a single game, then to me, then maybe they'll be more focused on it. But that, that to me is, is something I think that's a concern. Darcy just texted in, and I'm going to address this here, John, and you can jump in after. He says, regarding injuries that force players out, I think the player who caused the injury should have to sit out until the injured player returns. Darcy, the issue with that is, let's say I'm the worst player in the NHL, and John Shannon's on the other team, and he's the best player in the NHL, 
and he remember that (laughs) and he crossed and john cross checks me and uh and breaks my ribs well i'm out the rest of the season so john shannon the best player in the league doesn't play for my rival that's to me that's the problem there john Uh, well i I agree and the other thing is and and the nhl has done a better job of this in recent years is there are teams that would lie and say the player is much more injured than he, he truly was I mean, the best example of that was uh, uh, Gary Bettman's first suspension ever uh, was uh, uh, Dale Hunter on Pierre Turgeon. And he gave Dale Hunter 21 games. And Pierre Turgeon was back in three games, and, and Hunter missed 18 more playoff games, mm-hmm. I might add, too. Some of them were playoff games. Yeah. And, and that, that's a problem. Uh, and, and because uh, it's, the, it's the classic adage in sports, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Teams will do anything to get an advantage. If that means keep a player out to keep the opposition out, they will. So you have to find a way to police that part of it, too. John, uh, let's wrap up with uh, the Flames. They had the 3 nothing lead, uh, lost 7-3. Uh, obviously now they're dissecting their uh, elimination like we were here in Edmonton for the last couple of weeks. They're not, like, are, are they going to unload some guys who get a lot of points? Uh, what, what, what are you hearing out of there? Uh, I think they might have to. I, 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 and, and it's funny. Um, I, I think I, I think the issues in Calgary are deeper than the issues in Edmonton. Even though the Flames went farther this playoff, I think they have bigger problems in goal. Um, and that's not a knock at Cam. I think Cam's a good backup goalie. Um, but he's he's not. I don't think they have a starter in Calgary. I think they're going to have to find a way to find a starter. Uh, what occurred to me at this playoff was uh, the Norris Trophy winner last year, Mark Giordano, who is a hell of a player, um, represented by a guy from Edmonton, so I know he's listening every night. Mark Giordano is a hell of a person, but he, he got old quick this year, particularly in the playoffs. Um, and I wish that wasn't true, but he, he was slow in, in, these, in the return to play. Um, and I think they, they really lack a lot of leadership, too. I think that... I think that uh, you know, who, who, whoever was supposed to lead this team on the ice didn't and couldn't. I don't think Matt Kachuk, Matt, Matthew Kachuk should be put in a position to be the leader. He's too young, but I think their veteran guys aren't. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a Monaghan or a Goodrow or both moved at some point this offseason. Interesting. John, always a pleasure to put you on the soapbox. We'll do it again down the road. Enjoy the rest of the hockey tonight, man. Okay, Reed. Talk soon. That is John Shannon checking in, longtime broadcast executive in Canada, our NHL insider, and a classic hockey storyteller. Uh, Kevin just wrote and he said, do you see Taylor Hall in Calgary? Well, wouldn't that be something? Well, but I think like John said, they'd probably have to trade away another player or two to make uh, room for that contract. But uh, I think Hall kind of talked today and uh, what did he say? I think he just said he's going to take a, take a few days to sort of think about uh, what's ahead for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's going to be one of the storylines, the future for Taylor Hall. 780-496-0063, Inside Sports on Chet. I really do love you guys because you keep me entertained. 
780-496-0063 is how you get in touch to call or text. Now, I don't know how serious or not serious this person is, but they took the time here to write this text into the show. Uh, going by the uh, the handle Darkman on the text line. Was it Liam Neeson that played Darkman in that uh, classic movie with Francis McDormand? I think so. Uh, Kellen, fade that music down for a second, please, just so I can I can uh, I can get this out here. Darkman says it is time for the CFL to use metric. The field is currently 110 yards long, which equals 105, uh, 100.5 meters. Just make it a 100 meter field. The field width is 65 yards. That's 59.4 meters. Just make it 60 meters. End zone is 20 yards. That's currently 18.2 meters. Make it 18 meters. Sideline to hash marks, 24 yards. That's currently 21.9 meters. Just make it 20 meters, and that divides the field into even thirds. Why? They'd be the first North American sports league to be fully metric. You can start a new record book from scratch. Darkman goes on to say it gives Americans a real reason to dislike the CFL and can be easily adopted for inclusion in the Summer Olympic Games. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.